0: I'd like to start this morning with a little experiment. I want you to choose to think about one of two things. Either something you'd like to complain about, right, just to get it off your chest, or something you're grateful for, okay? Either something negative in your life or something positive in your life. And it's your choice, but you gotta choose one of them. Now, let's say you decide to focus on the negative during this experiment. You know, it might be a complaint about something going on in your life, your health, your job, money problems, the fact that you don't have a spouse, or maybe it's the whole COVID mess, you know, having to wear a mask or being stuck in isolation from people for so long. It might even be something about another person. But go ahead and grumble a little bit in your spirit. Just let it out. I'll give you a second here. Okay. All right. Now, let's say you decided you wanted to focus on something positive in your life, right? Something you're genuinely grateful for. Could be a family member, could be a friend, could be a day like today, your health, the opportunity to learn from God's word, whatever it is, go ahead and express that in your spirit, right? Just let that out. Now, let's see how this experiment went. Those of you who focused on the negative and let it out, do you feel more vibrant, like more alive, closer to God now than you did pre-grumble? If so, congratulations. You have the spiritual gift of complaining, all right? And for those of you who chose the positive route, I want you to ask yourself, do you feel more vibrant, more alive, and closer to God after gratitude than you did before? Think about that. Now, let's just be honest up front here. People complain. We all do a lot about all sorts of things, right? We complain about the weather. It's too hot, too cold, too rainy, hasn't rained enough. People complain about this pandemic, right? Why are people being forced to wear masks? Why are they putting all these orders in place? This is crazy. Or they complain the other way, right? People should be wearing masks. Why are people just running around all over the place? What are they doing? This is crazy. You know, people have complained about being at home too long over the last three months. But those same people who are complaining about that were complaining about being at work too much six months ago. You can't win for losing. And I would submit to you that we have a new pandemic in town. It's the pandemic of complaining. And I think we, as the people of God, need to flatten the curve on the pandemic of complaining? Well, the good news that I have for you today is that there is a cure to this pandemic of complaining. It's a little thing called gratitude. Gratitude. There is a repeated theme in the Bible. You'll notice this all over the place in scripture. Paul says to the church at Thessalonica, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in how many circumstances? All." circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Paul also says, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, to the church at Colossae, Paul talks about this theme three different times in one brief passage. He says, and be thankful Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. As Christians, we should strive for gratitude. And we can start right here, right now, today. So we're in this series called The Best Life Possible, and so far we've talked about the fact that if you want to live the abundant life Jesus promised here on earth, you need to take time each and every day to stop, be quiet, and make a connection with God. And second, you need to learn how to do life with God, how to invite Him into each and every moment of your day. And now today, I'm going to give you the third key to living the best life possible. It's this little thing called gratitude. It's finding the good and praising it. Focusing on the positive in life. And we can start right now in the middle of this sermon. You know, if you're not printing out your bulletin each week, pause the sermon here and go print it out or grab a pen and a piece of paper or open up a notes app on your phone because I'd like you to jot things down throughout this message. Things that you're grateful for. And I'll just give you a few categories up front here. Maybe God will bring individuals to your mind. A family member, coworker, teacher, just write down their names. Maybe it's an experience like getting to go to school or work or travel, or a time when you were suffering and God comforted you. You know, maybe you just think of small gifts: an encouraging word from somebody, a phone call, a text, a good night's sleep, food you love to eat. Maybe it's big, life-changing gifts like our faith, the Bible the death of Jesus on the cross so I can be forgiven, the gift of the Holy Spirit to guide us, spiritual gifts or a community like our church. Throughout the message, God will nudge you with something you're grateful for. And when he does, just keep that pen out and write it down. You know, by the end of the message, you'll have wonderful words to look at and we'll talk to God about them. The theme for this week is this, more gratitude will not come from more acquisitions but from more awareness of God's presence and goodness. More gratitude will not come from more acquisitions, but from more awareness of God's presence and God's goodness. Now we're talking today specifically about Christian gratitude, Jesus-shaped gratitude. It's a way of looking at life. There's a wonderful Christian writer named Robert Roberts. (laughs) Do you think it would be hard to be grateful if your name was Robert Roberts? I don't know what his parents were thinking. But anyway... He said, there's a uniquely Christian framework for gratitude. Gratitude is always the perception of the good. That's why you and I cannot manufacture gratitude by willpower. A lot of people try that. But gratitude is a byproduct of a way of seeing things. And it always involves three factors, summed up in the old Latin word bene, which means good. Gratitude always involves three benes. First of all, a benefit." See, for me to be grateful, I have to receive the benefit and perceive that it's a good thing for me. I must find it favorable. And the Bible has a lot to say about this. Psalm 103 says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things. Now, you should all be writing stuff down right now because God tells us not to forget his benefits, forgiving sins, giving love and compassion. And oftentimes we're blind to God's benefits. But gratitude requires that I see them and acknowledge that they're good. Second, gratitude requires that there be a benefactor. Okay, this little word again, bene, is the Latin word for good. So benefactor means one who does good. For me to be grateful, I have to believe not just that benefits are coming my way, but that they don't come by accident. They're coming from somebody, a benefactor who has good intentions towards me. The writers of the Bible are convinced there's a great benefactor. James says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of the heavenly lights. There's a good God giving to me all the time. And then there's a third element in gratitude. There has to be a benefit and a benefactor, but there also has to be a beneficiary, one who receives the good. That's you and me. We're the beneficiaries of the benefits of a God who has our best interests at heart. Now for gratitude to be real, I also have to believe that I'm receiving something I didn't earn, merit, or deserve. Gratitude always involves a posture of humility. I mean, if I believe I'm owed something, I won't be thankful for it because I'm entitled to it. If you just gave me a car for no reason at all, I'd be overwhelmed with gratitude. Thank you. Thank you. I can't believe your goodness to me. But if I pay you fair market value for the car, when you hand me the keys, I'll go, okay, fine. Thanks. But I wouldn't say thank you for this incredible gift. I'm overwhelmed. Why? Because I bought it. So I'm owed it. Now the default mode of the sinful human race is entitlement, the belief that this gift or experience is rightfully mine, I am owed. And here's the deal, the more I think I'm entitled to, the less I'll be grateful for. The bigger the sense of entitlement, the smaller the sense of gratitude. And we wonder, how come in our world we keep getting more and more and keep being less and less grateful? This is precisely why my sinful mind can convince me that anything I want, I'm entitled to. And if I'm not getting what I want, somebody in the universe must be messing up and they owe me and ought to pay for it. In fact, this has led to a proliferation of lawsuits in our country today, because if we don't get something we want, we just sue somebody, right? Years ago, the San Francisco giants were sued for passing out Father's Day gifts to men only. Not making that up. A psychology professor sued for sexual harassment because of the presence of mistletoe at a Christmas party. True story. In fact, a psychic was awarded $986,000 when a doctor's CAT scan impaired her psychic abilities. Now, you have to wonder about that one. If she really was a psychic, shouldn't she have known not to go to that doctor in the first place? You have to think. But from a Christian perspective, Ingratitude is not just a psychological or emotional problem. It's a sin. The Apostle Paul says it's the hallmark of people who are living their lives in opposition to God. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile. Now the connection here is interesting. Their thinking was futile. They perceived themselves to be entitled, to be owed, rather than being grateful receivers. Forget not all his benefits, people. The Bible's word for ingratitude is grumbling. And Paul says grumbling is the quintessential mindset of life without God. Now, here's what's kind of odd. You ever heard of a Christian grumbling? Right? You ever heard of that kind of thing going on in churches? Yeah, I think you can be lured away from God by grumbling quicker than almost anything else. And I'll show you how seriously God takes this. Paul heard about a complaining spirit in the church at Corinth. And he wrote to them about how Israel grumbled at Mount Sinai. God had been so good, giving them freedom, taking care of them, leading them to the promised land, giving them the Ten Commandments. But they just grumbled. They weren't grateful. And so Paul says to the church at Corinth, and do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. Whew. Uh-oh. Now, how many of you who chose to grumble earlier are a little worried right now? Now, here's some cool historical background information you probably don't know. Every devout Jew was devoted to two particular forms of daily prayer. One was called the Shema. It's from the first words in Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. They would pray that every day. The other form of prayer was sometimes called the 18 or its fuller title was the 18 benedictions. See, there's that little word again. If you break it up, diction means word, speech. So good words. In Hebrew, a benediction was any prayer that began with the word bless. To bless is to speak good to somebody else. And their favorite thing was to be able to speak good, to bless, to thank God. And they would do this all the time. In the morning, when they woke up, they would pray the 18. In Hebrew, it's called the Shemana Ezra. Blessed are you, God. At night, when they went to bed, they'd pray the 18. Blessed are you, God. In the middle of the day, they'd pause and pray the 18. Blessed are you, Lord, who abundantly forgives. And then they would expand on that. Right, rabbis would teach their followers how to expand on it. Blessed are you, Lord, who heals the sick. They'd remember, I have a body and I've been sick and God is the one who's behind my health. Blessed are you, Lord, who sustains the living. Every day, at the beginning and the middle and at the end, they prayed the 18. They thanked God for his goodness. At the end of your outline, I've included a link to these 18 benedictions. Check them out sometime. They were training for gratitude and they loved it because it is the good life. You see, gratitude doesn't come when you get more stuff. That's the absolute insane folly of our day. It comes when you see all the benefits from a wonderful benefactor of which I am the grace given beneficiary. Rabbi Gamaliel said, every day a man is to pray the 18 benedictions. They were also called the Amadah, which means standing, because they were to be said standing up. If you sit down to pray him, you might fall asleep. Rabbis would also say, never pray the 18 when you're on a donkey. (laughs) They thought there was something about being up high that could make you feel a little proud or self-sufficient. We should be humble down to earth when we thank God. That's where we live, down to earth. So don't say I'm on a donkey, okay? And they would gather regularly at the temple to pray the 18 we see this in between the lines a lot in the new testament for example acts chapter 3 one day peter and john were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon 3 pm is the time when they would gather at the temple the holiest place to pray the 18 understanding jewish history is key to comprehending so much of the new testament Every rabbi would teach his disciples, his Talmudim, how to pray the 18 in their own way. In fact, when Jesus' disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray, they were asking him to do precisely this. How should we pray? What's our way of praying the 18? Our way of blessing God. And the Lord's prayer is that in summary form. Our Father in heaven, hallowed, holy, blessed be your name. Did you know the early church would pray the Lord's Prayer three times every day? That was the 18 for the early church. But it didn't stop with the 18. Every meal was an occasion for gratitude. Food was not to be eaten until it was recognized as a gift. The rabbis said a man must not taste anything until he's blessed it. By the way, the idea is not so much blessing the food, it's blessing the God who gave it. As Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It's all a gift. They were so serious about gratitude that if you forgot to bless God for his gift of food, you had to go back to where you ate your meal and thank him there so you wouldn't forget the next time. I mean, you couldn't just thank him on the road. You had to turn around and go all the way back there. And imagine if we did that today, right? Let's say you go to Mighty Fine Burger's, If you've never had a mighty fine burger, you don't know what you're missing. I mean, how can you not be grateful to God when there's mighty fine in the world? In fact, I need to write that down on my list of things I'm thankful for. But if you went to mighty fine and forgot to thank God for the food, you'd have to drive back to mighty fine. Somebody was at your table, you make them get up, you sit down there, say, oh God, thank you for this burger, fries, and chocolate shake. And the rabbis, they would argue about the window of time you had to do that in. Most said you had to do that before the food was digested out of your body. You see, they loved to be people of gratitude. And every different item of food had to receive its own unique blessing. The rabbi said, he who enjoys anything from creation, which is without blessing, commits misuse. It's like a form of theft. And again, this all marked Jesus's life. You see this between the lines in the New Testament. At the last supper, we're told while they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And at the same meal, then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them. Jesus was doing what any devout Israelite did. Every time another item of food comes, God, this is from you too? I get to have this? Thank you, thank you, thank you. And gratitude wasn't just at mealtime and the 18 benedictions. They had blessings for everything, people. They had a blessing for a lamp because to have light in the world is such a gift. I mean, imagine living in darkness. They had a blessing for seeing a comet and a blessing for looking at the ocean. They had blessings related to the weather for when rain comes down. They had blessings for completing a home. No occasion was too menial. Disciples actually followed their rabbis around all the time, because they never knew when, when he would say another blessing and they wanted to know, okay, how do I bless God for this? How do I bless God for that? In fact, there are stories, and I'm not making this up, of them following their rabbi around when he went into the bushes to go to the bathroom because they would want to know, is there going to be a blessing? And there was one. Okay, I'm not making this up. This is Rabbi Abaye. He said, blessed are you, O Lord, who has formed man in wisdom, and created in him many orifices and many cavities. Now, that may sound strange or even coarse to you and me, but it's a funny thing. When one of those orifices or cavities isn't working well, life gets a little miserable, doesn't it? I mean, don't you wish then that it would work well? I can almost hear the amens in many living rooms out there, right? So the rabbis would say, shame on us for thinking we're so proper and dignified that any part of our bodies or existence is too undignified for us to thank the God who thought it up in the first place. Shame on us for thinking there is something unspiritual about any part of our bodies or existence. Of course, in particular, we're to bless God for people, like all people. People we get along with easily. Thank you, God and people who are hard for us to get along with, for whatever reason, in whatever moment. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You know, another hypothesis for this week is this. I need to learn to be grateful for imperfect people and imperfect circumstances. You see, if I wait for perfect people and perfect circumstances to be grateful, how long will I have to wait? Yeah, a long stinking time. The rabbis talked about this too. A rabbi said, one is obligated to say a benediction over evil as well as a benediction over good. Now, why is that? Is it because evil's a good thing, suffering's a good thing, we ought to be glad to suffer? No, of course not. Those are bad things, and God is at work to one day overcome and overturn them. The rabbi said we're obligated to say a benediction at all times because we're always in danger of only being thankful when good things come our way. And when we do that, our threshold for gratitude gets higher and higher and higher. And we slowly become ungrateful people. See, being transformed by God means learning to see good ways in which God is at work, even in bad situations. Comes back to Romans 8.28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. Notice Paul didn't say all things are good. He said all things work together for good. That's what we can be thankful for, that God is sovereignly working in our lives. The rabbi said, only God knows for sure what will turn out to produce good. You know, a lot of times I'll go through something that's hard, it's painful, it's bad, and I'm wishing I didn't have to go through it. But then I'll look back on it and say, God, I'm so grateful I didn't miss that. You know about that. So we bless God all the time. We give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for us. Not that every circumstance is good, not that the situation is God's perfect will, but that God can work even the bad together for some good. So we're glad for our homes, our friends, our cars, our money, our success when it comes our way, our jobs if we have them. But their absence doesn't prevent us from being grateful for God's greatest gift, Jesus. So above all, as followers of Jesus Christ, in plenty and in need, in palaces and in prison, thank God for his gift of Jesus, his matchless life, his unrivaled teachings, his sacrificial death, his triumphant resurrection. Blessed are you, O Lord. Now let's talk about a couple of exercises in gratitude. The first one is to write a gratitude letter. Think of someone who's impacted your life for good. Maybe someone you've known for quite a while, a friend, mentor, an encourager, somebody without whom you'd be a different person. Then take your time and write them a letter telling them why you're grateful to God for them. You might go through a few drafts of it. You want to make it sing. And then if you can, call them up and say, you want to meet face to face with them. Don't tell them why. And when you get there, pull out that letter and read it to them word for word, slowly, and look them right in the eye. This is why I'm grateful to God for you. You might want to have a copy to give to them, maybe have it laminated. Now, a couple of clarifying rules here. Okay, you can't do this to someone who could benefit you financially. All right, no mixed motives here. It also can't be someone you're hoping to date who doesn't want to date you. It's best if you can make it someone outside the church so it'll come as a surprise to them. But I tell you, the expression of love that comes across with this is powerful. I mean, I guarantee you, if you do this in a godly way, you'll be more joyful than if you don't do it. Guaranteed. Another great idea is to pray your own benedictions. Maybe when you wake up and before you go to sleep, You don't have to start with 18. That might be overwhelming. Just do it like this. Each night before you go to sleep, write down four blessings for which you're grateful to God. Blessed are you, O Lord. You can use that formula that they used. Blessed are you, O Lord, who gave me this friend I love. And again, your job is not to try to feel grateful. Just begin the process. I've been doing this and one morning this week, I was just grumpy, right? You ever wake up and you're just grumpy? You know, there are two kinds of people in the world. People who love to wake up in the morning and people who hate people who love to wake up in the morning. Yeah, it was just one of those mornings, I, I didn't want to wake up. Didn't want to get out of bed. And so I sat there and I spent some time going through the previous day thinking, you know, I got to exercise and I have a fairly healthy body. What a gift that is. Right, yesterday, I got to learn and, and I love learning. I got to spend time counseling people. I love helping people. And I just went through this list. By the time I got to the end of that day, the day before, I was like, I got to do all that? Are you kidding me? And today I get another day? Thank you, God. Thank you. What an unbelievably good God you are to think of this world and a life and a body and above all, Jesus. And pretty soon I was just overwhelmed with gratitude. It doesn't always happen that way and it's not about feeling gratitude. My job is just to show up, remember, and thank. So try it out. Write a letter of gratitude or do your own benedictions when you wake up and when you go to bed this week, and see if you're not transformed in the process. See if this isn't a huge key to living the best life possible, okay? Now let's take a moment and thank God for all this. Pray with me. this is going to be a moment just between you and God. You might take that little sheet of paper you've been jotting things down on, or maybe it's just in your mind. But talk to your great benefactor, this great God who loves you so much. Talk to him about all the benefits he's given you in this life. Now, your heart might be full and singing right now. It might not. It kind of doesn't matter. This is just your moment to say thank you to him for each of those things you've jotted down or whatever you can think of in this moment. I'm just going to give you some time to do that right now. Just express gratitude to him. Go through that list. Lord, we've expressed a few things for which we're grateful. And I pray that this would become a habit in our lives, that we would thank you for all the goodness, that we would find the good and praise it. Thank you, God. Blessed are you, O Lord. Amen.